Weaponizing information, that's the crux of a new report which shows Canada's military wants to use propaganda and technology to influence Canadians. Will it ever see the light of day? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. It's called Defense Strategic Communication Group. It's aimed to influence the attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors of audiences. Defense Minister Harjet Sejun has said the plan has not been approved, but the military has been conducting several tests on the Canadian public. An investigation has been launched into the data collection conducted by the military while it was assisting in long-term care homes earlier this year in Ontario and Quebec. If this sounds familiar to the Cambridge Analytica incident in the 2016 U.S. election, a lot of the same players were involved. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll talk to the publisher of Esprit de Corps magazine about his concerns. First, this report was discovered by Emma Bryant, visiting research associate in human rights at Bard College in New York, and she joins us now. And Emma, is this not the same tactics Canada complained about in the Ukraine? Uh, so um, certainly the, the tactics seem to be very similar. Um, I think one of the things that you've got to consider is, is whether, you know, the Canadian government has basically tried to do the same thing back, you know. So looking at uh, ways that, you know, you can uh, uh, prepare the ground for for countering these kinds of um, uh, operations domestically. Um, but there are limits to what you should be doing on the domestic front. Um, certainly there are, you know, obviously threats to Canada, threats to a lot of democracies at the moment uh, from foreign actors, and uh, not just from foreign actors, but also from uh, from domestic actors who may well be um, to... Um, you know, spread uh, disinformation. And um, governments have, a, a, you know, um, a, a genuine need to respond to that. But how they do that is obviously um, very, very important because you've got to protect the rights of Canadian citizens and uh, the, um, you know, scope for freedom of expression and so on. And uh, the, con the, the concerning thing about um, what's happened with, Canada is they seem to be sort of encroaching beyond the normal realm of uh, communications uh, to citizens, which is normally known as, as public affairs. Um, and the uh, public affairs officers seem to be getting trained by people who, um, who, who normally would be involved in uh, training psychological operations uh, personnel. Uh, in methods that are about behavioural change rather than necessarily informing citizens uh, about, you know, threats and, um, and, and uh, disinformation and so on and correcting uh, the narrative. Um, the issue you have to think about is, is, is the methodology that's being deployed. What kinds of methods are they using? And um, some of the reporting around this has identified really very um, concerning parallels with operations that were undertaken in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. And the Canadian government spent over a million uh, dollars, a huge amount of money, training a very small number of officers, actually, um, in public affairs using... Um, the company Emic, who were a spin-off from uh, the, the Cambridge Analytica parent company. Now, this is a, a firm that I studied for years and, and ended up uh, very 
central to revealing through the British fake news inquiry um, uh, in 2018. Um, and this company was actively under investigation and the Canadian military sought it out because of the types of methods that um, they were using, which, which, by the way, are unproven. Yeah. Um, so this huge amount of money has been spent on really very um, quite um, uh, uh, persuasive and manipulative techniques uh, to train the, the Canadian military and to train trainers to then continue spreading uh, these kinds of methodologies. And within a few months, of course, we had um, a lot of um, other revelations about domestic targeting of, of these kinds of methods. Now, um, you know, there needs to be a full investigation, in my view, because uh, the, these um, trials of these uh, new methods were, you know, going over a, a really important line that is drawn in democracies about, you know, um, targeting citizens. Um, with, you know, misleading communication. It's almost like the time when this is so important. I was going to say, it's almost like the public affairs branch has now turned into the marketing branch. Yeah, I I, I mean, yes, marketing. I don't know. When you say marketing, it sounds sort of frivolous, but this is actually really very serious. And, you know, um, governments feeding, you know, false information to citizens is is propaganda. That is not, you know, just marketing in the sense of we're going to sell you some dog food. This right. is serious. And, and there's a, a, a commitment to, to Canadian citizens, which is being disrespected. Um, you know, Canadians have rights to uh, get reliable information and to be not subjected to, um, you know, aggressive sort of uh, measures of, of, of of influence and and also of of data harvesting and it looks like so for instance they are using social media to gather data um on canadian citizens in some of these experiments um now i would say that that the problem here is is that that there isn't clear policy that is being followed which protects canadian citizens and really what needs to be done is 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 for um you know, policymakers to be looking into um, why this has got a bit out of control, who's in charge and who's responsible, because, um, you know, you need decent training that, you know, emphasizes ethics. And those, you know, this shouldn't be an add-on um, to, you know, otherwise rather unethical training provided by a company connected to Cambridge Analytica. Exactly. It should be built into how officers do their work it needs to be part of the decision making process and i'm not convinced that's happening unfortunately now the precision information teams they, they track the social media accounts you were speaking about uh do you find this illegal or do you find it un or unethical i'd say it's more unethical um but i also do think that i mean i i'm not i'm british as you can probably hear and yeah. um I'm not going to say that I'm a, an expert on, on Canadian law. So um, whether or not it would be considered to be illegal, that's really for a Canadian um, legal expert to, to determine. Um, but I would say that it's certainly unethical to be drawing lots of, of data from social media uh, of your citizens and then, um, you know, using... And, and, and by the way, that's also data that 
was evidencing criticism of of policies um, and and activities. Now that's concerning because that does you know um, threaten I think free speech if they're looking at what the public are saying negatively and thinking about how they can counter that. That's a little bit manipulative, don't you think? Mm. So yeah. I I think it's not it's not fair game. You know, mm-hmm. um, people should be able to express their views and criticisms uh, without the military <laughs> getting involved in monitoring them. You're That's say- disturbing to me. Well, it is very disturbing. Now, you've said governments are, are failing us about this. How so? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I would say that the policies don't seem to be you know, clearly developed in this area, unfortunately. And um, you need to have this actually written <laughs> And laid out, and you know, in order for um, officers to be, you know, following the rules, as, as, you know, that are very, very clearly um, written up. Um, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of this is still being developed, and there's been a, a push to, um, you know, basically um, harness new ideas and new technologies and things like that, but without, you know, testing it fully and working these things out first, they're being deployed domestically. Now, that's very concerning because, you know, you really need to, it's it's not like this is an entirely new phenomenon. We've had social media for a very long time. We've had, you know, propaganda um, and and a need to respect domestic audiences is is not something that should be uh, a revelation to, to, you know, the Canadian government. So, um, this this is all stuff that really should be, have very firm policy already, and starting to do experiments on you know changing it at a time when you um, you're you're going through an infodemic with with disinformation everywhere and um, practicing methodologies that really should be reserved for the enemy abroad in you know the domestic environment is is not how you go about things. Um, so I, I think there are possibly certain people in charge who have not, um, you know, been paying as close attention to how this uh, development of new strategy, which sometimes is necessary, um, is is actually being done. You know, um, I, I I think what needs to be done is 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 is, is, is more oversight, better governance, and um, you know. We need to be watching what's happening. There seem to be far too many mistakes being made. Um, and, and one mistake, you know, is, is, is something that maybe you could brush off as being a, an anomaly. But when this is happening, and, and it seems to be being discussed as a deliberate policy, uh, you know, that there needs to be some serious, you know, questions being raised, I would say, in the Canadian Parliament about it, because, um, you know, citizens have a right to not be, um, you know, monitored and um, treated with the same kinds of tools that are deployed for enemies abroad. Um, the worry as well is that, um, you know, the type of um, operations they're running seem to be these kind of behavioral manipulation techniques. So, uh, behavioral change oriented, where public affairs really should be about informing and correcting 
public narratives, which is a very different thing to trying to change people's behavior and so on uh, in, in, in more um, coercive ways. Emma, I uh, want to thank so, you. So there are... Mm-hmm. Emma, I, I was going to say, I, I wanted to thank you for joining us. Very, very, uh, very, very interesting report. Oh, well, thank you. Um, and I do hope you'll read the article in OCCRP about uh, how uh, the Canadian government and other governments, too, uh, you know, hired a spin-off company from, from Cambridge Analytica's parent company during the active investigations, and they are still working with them. So, you know, this needs to be stopped. I, I really, you know, this is uh, very concerning to me that uh, these people who, um, by the way, haven't really been fully investigated, um, you know, are, were still being, you know, hired by government and have spun off a new entity for doing so. Uh, I think that shows a lack of um, caring about the quality and the security of this uh, this kind of training in itself, and not to mention the ethics, considering those uh, companies were linked to all sorts of wrongdoing around the world. Um, so I, I think people should be taking this really seriously in Canada. Thank you, Emma. I appreciate it. Thank you. Emma Bryant's a visiting research associate in human rights at Bard College in New York and a specialist in researching military propaganda. While the report has not been put into operation just yet, it has raised flags in military circles. Scott Taylor is the publisher of Esprit de Corps magazine, and he joins us now. And Scott, do you see any reasonable use for this type of approach of using propaganda to influence public opinion? Well, what they, I mean, I think the overall original design was that they were going to be using this, these methods in areas where our troops are operating. Um, there's a, been a huge focus now. Of course, we've got a battle group deployed to Latvia, and they feel that they're being subjected to Russian disinformation coming across the border. And I mean, it's been, been minor stuff. I mean, uh, yet they, they were told this is a major thing. So it's to influence, let's say, the local population outside of Riga where the troops are so that they don't buy into Russian disinformation that our guys are all pedophiles or whatever it is that they're trying to, you know, mm-hmm. stir up trouble. But the thing is, of course, there's always this tendency that they will use the same behavior modification training that they've got to, you know, affect uh, a difference on Canadian society, which I think that's where people raise their eyebrows. Um, and people, once it was brought, you know, sort of into the daylight, people did start to have sober second thoughts about what the heck are they actually up to here. Um, you know, if you've got a Chief of Defense Staff, General Jonathan Vance, who's going to be leaving soon, if he directs them to, quote, weaponize public affairs, well, if you're the, the right kind of personality, you're going to hear something in there that others might not. Uh, others have questioned it and said, like, you know, public affairs should be like the police public affairs. You announce what's happened and you keep people up to date with what's going on. You don't <laughs> try to modify their public's behavior uh, and brainwash them into liking cops. I mean, that's not their job. I mean, it should be the action should speak louder than any kind of words. And I think most people, when we did have our troops deployed, uh, they were newsmaker of the year in 2006 when they were in Afghanistan. People had empathy for them. People were concerned about the casualties. They did pay attention. Um, and they were made newsmaker of the year. So it's now, you know, people don't even know what our military, like I think the majority of Canadians polled didn't quite know what our military did or, or what the purpose was. So that's where you know you've got a communication problem. You've got to get the information out. But you know, going on to people's social media accounts, as they had suggested, uh, and gleaning information, albeit in the public domain, um, that's not something I think most people feel comfortable doing. Uh, and the fact that they had at one point 
set up a dossier uh, on different journalists to do with the subject of white supremacists in the ranks. They thought they could use their own friendly academics and historians, and they could put uh, you know, where they could put their information. They they looked at it in terms of who was a friendly or who was an unfriendly journalist, and that as a journalist is a little bit upsetting because it's something which you know the fact that your government is collecting a dossier on people who purvey free speech. I think that's uh, and freedom of information. That's the uh, something most people should be speaking. Right, that's the precision information teams you're talking about, right? Well, they were set up. That was the uh, they were used in uh, collecting information to to provide a report to Doug Ford, the Ontario Premier, mm. about what the conditions were like and what the uh, situation was like, what people felt about um, his handling of the long-term care facilities and the, the pandemic. Now. Again, it seems like a rather odd thing to be having military personnel sitting down, you know, logging into and, and finding people's Facebook posts and what's being said and different memes that's out there um, to come back with a report and say, look, most people don't like your handling of this. Um, you'd think that political parties have their own people that do that, not the federal military, even if they're going to be deployed into those those areas. And I mean, on the flip side of that, when the military did deploy in, physically, and they, they assisted, and they came back with some, some telling reports about abuse and different things, which has led to some, some systemic changes and some, some promised additional support, which is a good thing. But uh, prior to going in, for them to be sitting down, looking at different individuals and what they're saying about the Ontario government um, just seems a little bit, bit odd. Weaponizing information. Uh, it just seems a little strange. Well, for one, I say it kind of a weird phrase, but uh, weaponizing information. What is the prime use of that? That's the thing I don't think they can figure out. It's a great phrase. It's a buzzword. We're going to weaponize it. We're going to take the resources that we've got. And instead of just sitting back and answering questions when they're asked, you know, if there's been an arrest or something or some equipment defect, or we just recently had a soldier, uh, unfortunately, was killed in a a training exercise in Wainwright. Um, that's what the public affairs branch is to, to put the information into the public domain and, you know, to, to be a trusted source of, of that information. That's basically all they should be doing. But unfortunately, they've got such an overstaffed um, entity in the public affairs branch. I mean, there's almost a battalion of, of these guys, as opposed to, I think, the Toronto Police Force years ago when I was researching it. They had like three people that worked in the, and they've got 20,000 plus officers, but they only have three or four spokesmen. Whereas at public affairs, we've got 60,600 people in the branch. So, you know, they're, they're stepping over themselves. And we always say, like, how many people does it take to not answer a, a reporter's phone call? But uh, in this case, they're now coming back out and looking at ways that they can employ those resources. I mean, as, you know, I guess if you're a commander and you say, look, we've got a finite amount of human resources, why aren't we getting better press? You know, activate those guys and let's, let's weaponize them. <laughs> and no one quite knows what, what that means. So, um, and I do think in the coming days, if it hasn't already happened, that we're going to see some st- structural changes to that approach. Um, I think it's being reined in as we uh, as we record this. So I think there has been some some backlash and pushback on that. I mean, it even it resulted in that that really bizarre incident in uh, Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. which on a, they they forged the letterhead of the Nova Scotia Wildlife Division to put out warnings to the public that wolves had been re-released into the into the wild and that they were now at risk and part of the scheme they were even going to have loudspeakers generating wolf noises i mean it's it's almost like a, a really bad episode of scooby-doo i mean this is where the guy's protecting his property by scaring off the locals 
and people still to this day, I mean, it's, it's, they've admitted that this was the thing that they were going to do, and they did forge the letters, but nobody can explain why he would want to scare the bejesus out of local inhabitants in Nova Scotia. Like, it just, of course people are going to react the first time. I mean, there's literally the, the boy who cried wolf. He cried wolf, and they were going to cry wolves uh, to see how people reacted to it. Um, they'll react one way the first time, and they'll definitely react differently the second time when they no longer trust the news source. Um, but in this case, they were actually fabricating it from the government. They were undermining the Nova Scotia government's ability to communicate responsibly to their own public. Um, and that is fake news. That is disinformation. And, and why they would cook up a plan and then um, go so far as to actually create the letters, I have no idea. Scott Taylor joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. He's the publisher of Esprit de Corps magazine as we talk about the new report showing the Canadian military uh, looking at propaganda, using propaganda uh, it, on its own people. And, and you know, you, you brought up a couple of phrases, trusted source, trusted source, you know, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while. Credibility for a journalist or anybody, credibility is is key. We already know that in this report that the military wants to use propaganda to influence public opinion. <laughs> now that you know this, how, how can yeah. you trust you anything you ever see from them again? Well, this is the thing. I mean, a lot of the stuff that's in there, um, those of us like myself and, and Ottawa Citizen reporter David Puglazi, we work together closely. He, he works and writes for the magazine as well. Um, so we're in constant communication and we are dealing with these guys. And a lot of the stuff we, we've known um, to be their play, but now we've found the playbook. So it mean that they really are, you know, mm-hmm. going to fake this and do that or do whatever. And, and, keeping a dossier on different journalists uh, and using friendly sources so they can have an easier path of it. Um, That's, I think, for the the media and the journalists, I mean, that's something which should be, Mm -hmm. you could suspect it, but then when you find out that they're actually doing it and it's written down, I mean, it's like, okay, um, (laughs) (laughs) we we need to change the the culture inside there um, and remind them of what it is their their actual job is. And again, it's, it's, one of the things that they had planned uh, was if, if civil unrest broke out during the pandemic, if people were ordered into a curfew and then they were resisting, et cetera, was they were going to put loudspeakers onto vehicles and drive them around. And I mean, that's, uh, you know, broadcasting messages like this is, does nobody in there realize that we, we now have cell phones and we get these alerts yeah. to come on? Okay. Uh, we're talking about a World War II movie with the Germans driving around yelling, Achtung, Achtung, you know, um, I don't know like when they needed to update their their crowd control policies, but uh, I mean we we literally had jeeps in World War II that we drove around telling the local population uh, to be calm or to stay indoors or whatever. But uh, I think they might need to revisit technology uh, as they weaponize their their public affairs. You find it ironic the government's passed you know legislation against fake news, yet here they are spending more than a million dollars to teach the military how to do it. <laughs> Well, if it was for the purpose of countering it, I would say, well, okay, we need to understand, like, what does this constitute and what does it look like? Um, but that's not what the case with, that we've seen. It's been they've actually been trying to use it. Um, you know, they were, you know, hoping to employ it in, in Afghanistan when the campaign was there against the local population. But you know, that was again where they were going to use vehicles with loudspeakers. But these are the modern streets of of Canada. It doesn't quite work the same way. So. I mean, they they have attempted to weaponize it. It seems like they have 
failed to gain any real ground, and now that it's been exposed, I think it's going to be something which they they shelve, hopefully, and uh, get back to the business of just simply relaying, you know, trustworthy information to the Canadian public. This has definitely dealt them a blow, as you said. I mean, now that this has been been mm-hmm. uncovered and this was their intent, and we don't know how deep it goes because I mean, the original comments from General Vance was was almost five years ago when he first took the job as chief of defense staff, and uh, you know, so I mean. And the guy, the Brigadier Jay Jansen, who was the the architect of this, has been in that position for for some time now. He was the uh, precision team, precision information team, the pit. Scott, I want to thank but, you for uh, joining us. Ah, uh, it's a, a, a important subject, and I appreciate the fact that you're giving it some uh, some play. Scott Taylor is a former Canadian soldier and publisher of Esprit de Corps magazine, which leads to our unpublished vote question. Should the Canadian military use propaganda to influence the public to support government policy? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and vote right now. Make your voice heard. I want to thank Emma Bryant, a visiting research associate in human rights at Bard College in New York. She uncovered the report. And Scott Taylor's the publisher of Esprit de Corps magazine. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.